Hello, welcome back to a new episode of Content Rookie. I feel like I start all episodes like this now, uh, but I want to say I know that it's been a while and I am sorry about that. It's been quite difficult to maintain any kind of schedule with a baby in daycare and the daycare germs that come with that, that make it quite chaotic. So the episodes will be coming a little bit more sporadically throughout the rest of the year. And hopefully after the winter, we'll be able to set more of a schedule again with more regular uploads. But thank you so much for tuning in. And again, thanks so much for all the lovely comments and feedback I got after the last episode. Today's episode is about a very specific topic. It probably won't take very long, but I've been meaning to make an episode about this for a long, long time. And the thing I want to talk to you about today is context switching. So when I talk to UX writers and content designers, this is one of the main things I hear that is making their work very stressful. Switching context between various teams, projects, sometimes even products, depending on the organization size where you're working. And that can be really, really frustrating because designers usually get to focus on one or two projects at a time that are usually within a very specific team or part of a product. But content designers and UX writers, since we're often at a lower ratio than designers, we have to switch between different projects, different contexts, and different teams a lot, which means that there's just much more complexity and much more context that we need to take into account before diving into the work and being able to focus and make the right calls and support the work with our content design point of view. And that can quickly feel very overwhelming. It can quickly become stressful. And I would say it's definitely also in my experience, one of the leading causes for content designers to feel overwhelmed uh, or even to burn out maybe later on in a project or after working somewhere for a while when, when this is not mitigated. And I think it's definitely a super important topic that I don't hear being talked about a lot. Uh, I know a couple of content design leaders have mentioned it and have spoken about it a little um, with a lot of great advice out there if you specifically, you know, Google for this. But I definitely did want to make an episode and just share my own experience around context switching. So first of all, Context switching is really one of the things that I try to bring up every single time I mentor someone or someone a little bit more junior comes to me and asks, hey, Nicole, I want to get into content design. How do I do it? Or, hey, Nicole, how do I become a senior staff, a lead content designer? Do you have any advice, any tips for me? Or even things like, hey, Nicole, I'm a journalist or I'm a copywriter. I've been looking into UX writing. Is this right for me? Should I start doing it? Then one of the first things I do address actually is context switching. So I try to explain a little bit what it is, essentially what I said in the introduction to this episode. It's about the fact that you'll not just be working on one project at a time. You're very likely going to be covering a much higher amount of projects than most designers do. And that means that for each project comes with its kind of baggage of context, things you need to consider, terms, maybe a different type of tone of voice, maybe a different type of audience, maybe a different type of technology even. Um, and different parts of the user flow, of course, also come with different context. You may want to consider things like what type of tone you want to apply to the voice here. And all of those contexts are very specific to each and every project that you work on. And if you cover a lot of different projects, 
quickly those contexts add up in your head. And as much as you try to document and ask the right questions, it can feel quite overwhelming to remind yourself, oh, okay, now I'm switching to this project. After a 30 minute meeting about this project, I'm talking to another team about their project. So I have to consider a totally different context. Um, and that essentially is what context switching is that throughout your work day, throughout your work week, even throughout, if you look at it on a quarterly basis, you're going to be working on a lot of different projects with a lot of different contexts. Context, and oftentimes you're going to be switching context several times a day and that can become very difficult. And the thing is, as content designers, as UX writers, context is one of the most important things that we need to take into account before we make any kind of decision. Because as we always preach, it's not just about the microcopy. It's not just that we look at a sentence and we're like, oh, we should just write it this way because... ABC. The context is what helps us make that decision. Should that sentence even be there? What needs to be in that sentence? What voice should that sentence have? What tone should we apply? Where should the sentence be displayed? Things like that. All of those calls that are a fundamental part of our job can only be made if we consider the right context. And then besides this, of course, we are also responsible for creating a lot of context. For example, we might own tone and voice writing guidelines. We might own a term sheet or a glossary. We might own things or know about things like information architecture or have thoughts on how to write notifications or what kind of information hierarchy to use. And all of those things are additional context to our work as content designers and UX writers that we take into account for every little project that we work on and even just like, you know, singular frames in each project. So that's a lot of context. And of course, I can already hear the voices in the back. UX designers will say and UX researchers will say and a lot of other people, maybe engineers, developers, they also feel like this, they will say, yeah, but it, that's the same for all of our jobs. And I definitely agree. It's not about saying that you don't all operate in a large amount of context, but it's about the specific challenge that UX writers and content designers often face is that we have to switch that context so quickly across a much wider scale. Again, not just between projects, but often also between various teams that we cover, sometimes even between various product spheres. So you'll be working on a flow that will be displayed on an Apple Watch, and then 30 minutes later, you'll be looking at a different flow that will be displayed on TV, and 30 minutes later, you'll be working on some kind of back-end app, and 30 minutes later, you'll be thinking about the end consumer and working on a consumer-facing, um, let's say, web application. So there's a lot of different contexts that we need to take into account, that we need to pull together, and that we switch between. And as you can tell by how few breaths I took in trying to explain this in the last couple of minutes, you can tell that this can very quickly become quite exhausting, and there's a lot to take into account. So first of all, let's all take a moment. Deep breath. <laughs> it's fine. It's normal. We all go through it, and it definitely is one of the main challenges of the job in my experience. And what can you do to help yourself when you have to context switch a lot? So first of all, the thing that has helped me the most is to really learn to manage up, to manage up towards the people that help me prioritize my work and to make very clear to them, hey, this project has a very heavy load of context. I think I will spend a lot of time figuring things out for this. There's a lot of things this touches upon and that I have to take into account. Hence, this is actually a bigger scope than you may have estimated for me. And it will take me more time and it will mean that I have to decline some of these other projects that you'd like me to work on. 
I know this is very easy to say and can be very difficult to do, but you really need to build that confidence in your ability to scope out projects and in your ability to be able to say, hey, like there is too much context here. I can't do it all. So really managing up and making very clear and being transparent about when this is happening, when maybe a project is a bigger scope than others may see, um, trying to clarify that and show that clearly to leadership or to your manager can really help you to then be able to say, I need to focus on this. I need to decline some of the other things. Another thing that I like to do is that depending on how your company does planning, they may do quarterly pl planning, they may do yearly planning, they may have T's, different kind of ways that they do their road mapping. Try to get involved in that early. Try to figure out what the priorities are from other business functions and design functions early and then break them down for yourself. So I like to have a spreadsheet where I have all of the projects that I'm expected to work on or that I might be expected to work on over the next X months and I break them down by priority and I try to learn a little bit more about them and try to scope out how much content design value I could add. So how much impact would this project have? And at the same time, how much time would it take for me to support this project? Because those two things can be quite different from each other. A project might have great content design impact, but maybe actually not need to take that much time from me because there's a very clear context and the scope is very clear and it has a very just clearly defined boundaries in terms of what we're going to look at, what the what we're not going to look at. But it can also be the opposite. There may be projects where you feel like content design may have a very low impact, but it will take a lot of time from you to support this project because it's very complex. There's a lot of different contexts to consider, and it might tickle into other projects and flows that will then end up on your desk a little bit later on. You may not always want to decline those projects either. Like, honestly, I take on a lot of these projects as well because I rather make sure that I fix something like this where maybe I'm not going to have a huge impact as a content designer, but it will make my life easier later on when other flows where this will have impacted them a little bit land on my desk and I want to have an impact there. So something like that, I think just really scoping out things for yourself, considering things, things like the context early on can be really, really helpful. Then another thing, and I always say this, and it's not just to help you with context switching and showing more transparency around that in general is just document. When you have explorations for like, this is how you would approach a certain flow. These are different variations of messaging we could use. Try to document those as best as your ability. You can also document things like, hey, I have considered this context, this context, this context, and come to the conclusion that a is the best option. So really help people understand all of the things that you've already taken to account. This, by the way, can also be a great way to just in general increase understanding for content design and showcase your abilities. Um, so I really, really recommend doing this. I specifically also love doing this whenever I'm in discussions about naming, what we should name a feature, what we should name an entity, bringing in all the different layers of context that should go in such a decision oftentimes is the thing that in the end then helps you know, content design, get a little bit more responsibility and be taken more seriously when it comes to naming something or maybe, you know, pushing back and saying we shouldn't name this. So definitely document. And then, of course, you probably saw this point coming when you saw the title of the episode. Um, but the key to not getting burned out by context switching is saying no because that's the one main skill you need to learn. And if you realize, hey, like there's a lot of things I'm already thinking about this week, even if your bestie at work is sending you a small request, that will be additional context. You need to be able to say no. 
you need to be able to say, hey, I know this is a small thing, but I've already spent all of my brain power in thinking through these other concepts, and I just can't do this right now. If you can deal with the fact that I can maybe work on this next week when I have a little bit more space, then we can do that. But right now, I can't do it. Say this message a couple of times. Practice it. You can also practice writing it out. I've practiced writing out Slack messages a couple of years ago when I first started trying to set better boundaries. It really, really helps, and you will get more comfortable with it. Highly recommend it. And so the thing specifically that I want to talk about here is these quick fixes, small requests, where someone might Slack you and be like, hey, like, can you quickly come up with a different way to say this one thing? Can you quickly fix the sentence? Can you quickly help me with this error message? It's very easier, at least for me, my response often is to just say, yeah, sure, I can do that. And I drop whatever I'm doing or whatever I'm thinking about, and I just try to like quickly help out. Terrible habit. Terrible, terrible habit. I highly recommend you don't start doing this if you don't do it yet, because what it does for me is it disrupts my focus on whatever bigger thing I was focused on and that was very likely a higher priority than what I'm fixing now. Um, it often takes a lot of energy for me, even if it's a quick fix, because it has to be done fast and you know, okay, they're expecting this quickly, so I actually don't have time to properly think deeply about this and take into account maybe the level of context that I would like to. And usually it ends up being a quick fix that isn't even ideal because you haven't had the time to really like focus on it, um, consider everything that should be considered, and you're not even really happy with whatever suggestion you make. So I highly recommend you get better at saying no to those things. One of the things that I think a lot of content design teams do now to mitigate these small and quick requests is concepts like office hours where people know specifically every week or every other week or even twice a week if it's a bigger team. There's a set time in their calendars where when they have quick things and small things to do that they need content design or UX writing support on, they can just join that session and get it done right there and then. And that really also helps keep the scope small. When you're attending those office hours or you're hosting those office hours, you know exactly what to expect. You can make space for, for that kind of work in your brain and in your heart or wherever you need to make space before you start the session. And it can really, really help you, again, focus and know exactly, okay, now I'm going to get a bunch of small things. We can do some quick fixes here in that session. It's going to be a lot of context. But after that, I'm done with those. And I'm going to focus on my main priorities again, where I'm likely considering various other contexts that have nothing to do with whatever people are going to bring to the session. So I highly recommend looking into a concept like office hours or something similar <clears throat> to help you mitigate a lot of small requests. And it has really helped me in the past also feel better to feel better saying no to people where I'm like, yeah, I understand this is a quick fix, but I just don't have the capacity right now. By the way, the word capacity, I'm pretty sure people that work with me hate it by now, but I've started using it because for me, it's not often that I don't have the time to help you. It's not that I don't want to help you. I definitely want to help you. And sometimes I might even have five minutes to help you. But the thing that I don't have is the capacity, the capacity in my brain, the capacity in my heart, the capacity in terms of all of the different contexts that I'm already thinking about because I'm working across 17 projects at a time. And that's why I like to use that word because I feel like it's the most accurate term to use here. Um, I've also seen other content designers use the word energy. I don't have the energy for this right now. Um, I think that also works, but I think energy is something that is often maybe associated with a little bit more emotional aspects. You may not want to go there at work. So yeah, maybe use the word capacity or something similar to, to help respond to those requests. 
yeah, those I think were mostly my main tips. And then I think the last point I definitely want to make, and again, this is something I say specifically to people who come from a different background or, but are considering a career in UX writing or content design. Context switching really can quickly become overwhelming and it isn't for everyone. Certainly there are people that thrive with this. They get adrenaline rushes from the from context switching and quick wins give them a lot of dopamine, but there's definitely also people that specifically struggle with this just because that's how they are and who they are. And for those people, it can be very, very difficult to mitigate the stress that a lot of content designers and UX writers feel because of context switching. So I do want to say, I think this is one of the things that makes our job very difficult. And I think it's one of the things that you really need to question yourselves. Is this something that I'm good at? Is this something that I can handle? Is this something where I can, for myself, build practices to help me mitigate context switching? And only if you're very honest to yourself and the answer to all those questions is yes, then, you know, go full on in. Transition from wherever whatever you're doing now into content design and UX writing, you'll probably be fine. But if you can't answer those questions with a yes, and you're not working in UX writing and content design yet, then maybe, just maybe, I'm not saying this for everyone, you know, I always say everyone can do it and I'm open to everyone. But you may want to consider this because maybe then it's not for you. Because I definitely think the work will feel more stressful for you in the long run if this is something you struggle with. Uh, And I've shared this in previous episodes, but one of the reasons why I kind of thrive in a context switching context, damn, I mean, I don't know how many times I've said the word context in this episode. Please do not take shots whenever I do. You will probably die. Um, (laughs) But for me, it's, um, I have ADHD. So for me, context switching really gets my brain going. Like it's something I love to do. But again, that doesn't mean that I don't get overwhelmed. It doesn't mean that I don't get burned out. So I found ways to really mitigate that for me. For example, I really... I start at least three, four work days a week out of five uh, with a relatively long run in the morning because that really grounds my brain. Because usually when I wake up and I turn on my computer and I see all those different things I need to think about today, all of those different projects, all those different contexts I need to consider, my brain will go into this fixer mode that can become really, really stressful. I sometimes feel like I can like literally feel my cortisol levels just skyrocket when I start thinking about these things. So I've said to myself, you know what? No, I'm going to go for a run first. It really calms me down. I listen to a totally work-unrelated podcast. Um, and it really gets me in a much calmer headspace and gets me ready for the day. And I'm much better at, you know, setting my boundaries with projects, um, dealing with switching contexts and creating better work. So you may also just want to look for strategies that help you with that to just mitigate the stress that definitely will come with all the context switching that UX writers and content designers have to deal with. And that was a very long monologue, (laughs) but that is today's episode. And I hope that there's something valuable for some of you in there. I've been getting a lot of questions about context switching and the overwhelm that comes with working in the field. So I did want to make an episode. Again, I say this a lot, but this, of course, is mostly based on my experience. And I'm a biased person like all of us are. Other people may have different experiences and different ways to solve this. But I did think it was a good a good topic to talk about. Um, let me know what else you want me to talk about. And again, there will be more content rookie episodes soon. I can't give you a date because I simply don't know which germ we're going to contract next in daycare. But again, thank you so much for listening and thank you for sending questions and feedback. And I hope you tune in again next time. Bye-bye. This is Nicole from Content Rookie.